Well, amen. Today we're going to talk about leaving a godly legacy, the footprints that we leave. And what a wonderful privilege this past week, if you have some moments today to go to TV Church Online to see uh, the interview with Dr. Bill Lucas. Uh, a story of footsteps in the space and rocket industry, but a story of faithfulness in his walk in Christ and his involvement in this First Baptist Church uh, for the past 70 years. He celebrated 100 years earlier this month. And so there are many folks in this place that are leaving those kind of footprints, and we are blessed as a church family. Well, I'm Alan Greer. I'm the new kid on the block here at First Baptist Church Huntsville, and I have the privilege to do ministry with experienced adults. And so some of my experienced adults told me that I needed to turn around because there were some of my experienced adults up here in the choir. So uh, we are so blessed to be here. That's 60 years and older, but I like to refer to them as the cool kids, okay? So I'm the minister to the cool kids. Today we're going to talk about leaving the godly legacy, and I wondered as we begin and jump in, have we ever thought about what kind of legacy we are going to leave? What are the footprints that we are going to leave behind? How are we going to be remembered? And maybe even make it more personal to the moment. How are we being remembered right now? If you've ever walked through a cemetery, uh, you may have noticed in addition to the name and the date of birth and the date of death, some tombstones give this, uh, if you would, a legacy uh, statement about that person. I call them a, a tombstone testimony. So sometimes they're, they're really quite funny, such as Mel Blanc, the voice of Bugs Bunny. Ba-dee, 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 that's all folks, uh, was on the tombstone. And it said, a man of a thousand voices, a beloved husband and father. Merv Griffin, on his tombstone, it said, I will not be back after this message. <laughs> King David, if he were to have some words etched in a tombstone, would probably have been the summation we see in Acts chapter 13, where it says, David served God's purpose in his generation. And then he went to be with the Lord. I, I like this one a lot. I'm not sure who has this on their tombstone, but I, I, I like it. I think it's funny. Uh, it said, I told you I was sick. <laughs> All right, so, so what will your tombstone testimony be? What will people remember about you when you're, when you're gone? What will be your, your legacy? The truth is our life on this earth is very brief, it's very short, it's a, a mist. And King David prayed a prayer in Psalm 39 that says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, that my life is, is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the, the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is... To you, God, just a moment. Human existence is just a breath. And it's a picture of our perspective of, of time and God's perspective of eternity. So compared to eternity, we only have a short amount of time here on earth. So what is the legacy you're currently leaving? 
in the things that you, let's be specific, in the things you say, in the things that you do, and, and the way that you live. For some of you, legacy may sound like something that attaches to an obituary when a person dies, or it may sound like something that you think about when you're in your 70s, but that's really not so. Max Dupree in his book, Leading Without Power, mentions a definition of legacy that really kind of grabbed my attention as I was preparing for today. And here's what he says. Legacy results from the facts of our behavior that remain in the minds of others. The facts of our behavior, the way we behave, say, do, live, and how those things remain in the minds of others. Ultimately, legacy is based on what you say. It's based on what you do. It's based on how you are living life. And all of those things determine what people will remember about you, your footprints, and whether or not you really did focus to Christ or were found faithful in that walk with Jesus. It's a reminder of your influence. My grandma Reno used to say, Alan, your talk must match your walk and both need to match what God says. My grandma was right. And it is a perfect example of legacy that we can live. If I told you, tell me, uh, or if I asked you, tell me about your dad. Tell me, uh, tell me about the godly influence that he had in your life. Now, some of you would, you would light up immediately, and you would tell me a story, and then you'd tell me another story, and you'd tell me another story of his influence and, and how he made an impact, positive impact in your life. Others of you might be more polite, but you wouldn't have a whole lot to say to that question. And then some of you might just cringe because your dad wasn't present, or if he was, he might have been abusive and and you struggle with saying anything that is nice. Because as Max Dupree said, legacy results from the facts of our behavior. We say what we do, how we live. And that remains in the minds of others. So what will remain in the minds of others that makes much of Christ and his gospel. Today I want us to look at three keys to leaving a godly legacy. And the first key is this. Say words that God wants you to say. In other words, we will want to say to those that we love, those that we are learning to love, our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, even our, our enemies. We want to say godly things or if you would, God-honoring Things. Words that will breathe life and will breathe blessing into them that will speak truth into their lives. Words that point them to Jesus. But the reality is that many people really don't say those kinds of words. Uh, being in ministry for over 35 years, uh, I've visited hundreds of folks in the hospital and, and now there have been a few of the visits in the midst of those many where a person is about to leave this earth. And their family is gathered around them, and yet that person that is dying 
would say to me, Alan, here's what I want you to tell my family. And, and the whole time they're telling me those things they want me to tell their family, I'm thinking, why don't you tell them yourself? They're gathered here. Why don't you say what you need to say that God wants you to say to them? Well, King Solomon gives us a great example in Proverbs 4.20. He says some very important words of life and blessing and truth to his son. And here's what he says. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen intently or closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life. And they are health. To a man's whole body. In other words, son, what I am telling you, it will change your life, your legacy, the footprints that you leave. And then he goes on in verse 23 and he says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Do you know the most common question or common response to the questions, do you believe that your dad is proud of you, is either, no, I don't, or, I'm not sure. Matthew 3 records this tender moment between the Father and the Son. Jesus is being obedient. He's being baptized. And His heavenly Father, Scripture says, opens up the heavens and speaks these words into His Son. This is My Son in whom I am well pleased. Parents, when was the last time that you told your kids those kinds of life-giving words. So this week, I have a challenge for you. Be intentional to take every opportunity speaking what God wants you to speak in the lives of the people that are around you. Speak God's life-giving words into your kids, into the people that will come across, across your path, even your enemies. Speak words that will build up and not tear down. Words that express value and the value we see in people, not words that abuse. Speak words that, I love this, picture a, picture a bright future for that person. What that person can be in Christ. Speak words that are authentic and full of grace and full of truth so that people see that you're pointing them to Jesus Christ. And my guess is that God is place someone on your minds already that desperately needs to hear words that God wants you to say. And by the way, real life giving words are only going to come out of the overflow of our lives in life with Christ. Spending time with the Lord, personal walking, personally walking with Christ, being changed by His Holy Spirit every day. So leaving a legacy. It requires first saying the words that God wants you to say. Number two, the second key is do the things that God wants you to do. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. However, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me, only that I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. And he even tells us what the task is. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. 
You see, Paul understood the unfinished task. He knew what it was. In fact, it's the reason God put you and me on this earth to complete the task of telling the story of God's amazing grace that He saves, that He rescues, that He redeems, and that He restores. He renews us and He gives us new life. So, what needs to change for you to do that task? To tell the story of God's amazing grace. Maybe you have a relationship with a close friend and that relationship isn't right today. And there's regret on your part that you haven't reconciled that relationship. Well, that's an unfinished task where you can bear testimony to the amazing grace of God. Maybe you know someone that is in need and you have the resources to meet that need and God has put them on your heart maybe multiple times, but you have not responded yet. That's an unfinished task where you can share the grace that is amazing of God's goodness. Maybe there's a cultural issue that God is leading you to show Christ's compassion in. Maybe it's race relationships and reconciliation or sex trafficking or foster care or adoption. Maybe it's crisis pregnancy or homelessness or refugees, persecuted Christians maybe. And the list goes on and it goes on. But you haven't made a move yet. An unfinished task to tell the story of God's grace. So here's your assignment. What is the unassigned task that God is calling you to do that completes the task that Paul speaks of, of sharing and testifying and making known the grace of God? Be intentional. Take the next step. Do that immediately. Number three, leaving a legacy is... Is, is a matter of the words we say, the things we do, and then the third thing is this. Live, live the life that God wants you to live. Honestly, many people who claim Christ aren't living how God wants them to live. I love this quote. We are educated well beyond our level of obedience. In other words, we know what God and His Word says, but we don't live what God's Word says. We do whatever we want. We live however we choose. And when we live that way, when we live the way that we want, not God's way and what God says, it makes for a really bad day. Here's what I mean. Unless Jesus returns, most of us are going to have a funeral one day. You won't be there, but people you love will, will be, and they'll, they'll gather. And there'll be some pastor that shows up and that he speaks about you. Now, most funerals that I've been a part of fall in one of two categories. The first category is the horribly wonderful day. It's a day where there is sorrow and there is sadness and there are tears, but they're not tears with no hope. Because the people know that have gathered that you had a personal relationship with Jesus. The people that have come on that horribly wonderful day, they understand that you're not perfect and you weren't perfect, but you lived life 
with intention. The intention of saying and doing and living the life and the way God purposed. And there are great stories that are going to be told on that day about your influence and your impact and how you touched many lives and pointed them toward Jesus. Stories from individuals and families and friends and co-workers are going to gather. Neighbors are going to share stories about your influence. And on this horribly wonderful day, the presence of God and the peace of God and the hope that we have in eternal life through Jesus Christ, it will be so obvious that day. It's a horribly wonderful day. Or the other category is the just horrible day. Honestly, this day is heartbreaking. There's not much to remember about the person or what they stood for, what they valued, or how they lived in the moment for the glory of God. It's an awkward day, especially when the best you can come up is, uh, or you can come up with is this. Well, the deceased liked spicy food, fantasy sports, and they did a lot of Facebook. If that's all that can be said of our lives, no godly legacy spoken of, nothing that says that he or she knew Christ or was experiencing heaven. But here's a verse that will change that day. From a just horrible day to a horribly wonderful day. James 1.22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. In other words, do not merely listen to God's word, but let it overtake you. Let it speak to you. Let it correct you. Let it challenge you. Let it comfort you. Let it convict you. In other words, let it change you. When you start to live God's word, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be different, and everyone around you, even non-believers, will notice there is something different about you. You are a Christ follower, follower that bears the Christ likeness. You look more like Jesus. You'll love with the compassion of Christ, and, and when hard-to-love people come around, and hard-to-love people do come around, right? When they come around, extra grace that is required for those moments will be given by God as you lean in to Him. You'll find that you're not uh, only more patient, but you're kind. And you're kinder than you've ever been. You're not envious. You're not boastful. You're not prideful. You're not easily angered nor rude. Because God empowers those things in your life, and you're depending on Him in those moments. Your relationships will take on new depth, and they'll have greater significance and purpose. And when you blow it, and you need forgiveness, you will seek it out, and you will make things right. You'll be intentional in discipling those around you. You'll disciple them toward Christ, and you'll find that we're better together in community because you have this amazing network of followers around you in the journey with you. You'll see people, and you'll see their needs, and you'll lay down your life to serve. And on that horribly wonderful day, words like this may be spoken about you. He acted justly. He loved mercy. And he walked humbly with God. Or 
She served God's purpose in her generation and then went to be with the Lord. Or he made it his goal to please God. Or she was a woman after God's heart. Her yes was on the table. My prayer for Nancy and for me is that years from now, I hope many, many years from now, that my kids, Hunter and Megan, would be able to say in our family, our parents, Alan and Nancy, they were not perfect, but they loved God and they loved people and they loved us. And their goal was always to honor God and to please Him by making disciples of Christ. I pray that that would be said of us, that that would be said of you. You see, the legacy we leave, what we say, what we do, the way we live, all those things are based on what we choose to fill us up and what we choose to fuel us. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, the Apostle Paul gives really the ultimate key to leaving a godly legacy. The ultimate key that is necessary to say what God wants us to say and do what God wants us to do and live what God wants us to live. Here's what he says. Here's what Paul says. Be filled with the fullness of God. Be filled. It's this idea of being in the grip of what you're filled with. In other words, what fills us grips us. So being filled with the fullness of God means God has become the controlling influence in my life, in my actions, in my attitudes, in my feelings, in the way I think, in my relationships with others. Even my calendar and my checkbook reflect the controlling influence of Christ at work in my life. God has become this controlling influence in my life and what I say and what I do and the way I live because Christ is living His life in me. So let me ask you, what fills you? What fuels you? What has its grip on you? There's a catchy little song I heard it a long time ago. It stuck with me for 30 years. And it goes like this, and I want it, I want it to get stuck in your head, okay? Uh, let me give it away and let you get stuck in your head. So here's how it goes. There's a hole in your heart. What you gonna fill it with a hole in your heart? What you gonna fill it with a hole in your heart? What you gonna fill it with? Why don't you fill it up with God's love? And you may say, Alan, uh, I'm not even close to leaving a godly legacy. In fact, it may be too late for me. The way I've lived, the things I've said, the things I've done. And I'd say to you this, you can't go back and change your past. But today, with Christ, you can make a brand new end. You can have a brand new experience. The footprints that you leave can change radically when we put our faith and trust in the person of Jesus. This life is brief. 
This life is a mist. And then there's eternity. And I would encourage you today to choose to follow Christ. Let Him fill you up. Let Him grip you. Let Him be the controlling influence as you leave a godly legacy. C.T. Studd wrote this line in a poem that says this, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let me close with this story. It's a story of my grandma Reno. Grandma Reno had a legacy that reflected not only contentment with life. In fact, the last words she spoke to me on her deathbed was this, Alan, learn how to be content. The great thing is I knew exactly what Grandma Reno was talking about in that moment because I had watched her life. I had seen a life lived in contentment. But she was also a prayer warrior. My Grandma Reno prayed. She prayed me into this spot today. As she prayed for me uh, to be a pastor, she knew God had put a call on my life and I was going the other direction. But the results were that God listened to her prayers. And I eventually came in alignment with God's purpose, and here I am today. But I also remember her praying for the lost, particularly in her family. And my, uh, my cousin, Bud, that's how you say his name, Bud. Um, my cousin Bud was a rounder, and he was far from leaving the legacy that would be godly. And my grandmother prayed for him from his birth until uh, she went to be with the Lord. And so she's with the Lord today, but she prayed over Bud up to that point that he would know Jesus. And here's the result of those prayers. She never got to see him say yes to Jesus, to follow Christ. But a few, uh, well, it's been several months ago during COVID, I get a phone call, and on the other end of the line is Bud. And he said, Alan, this is Cousin Bud. And I want you to understand, and you would be the only one to understand, that Grandma Reno, she prayed over me to know Christ. And today I want you to know, in my late 60s, I have chosen to follow Jesus. And I want you to know that that is quite a legacy. A legacy that Grandma Reno didn't necessarily get to see, but I, I'm pretty sure and I hope God told her, look what's happened because of your faithfulness to pray. May all who come behind us find us faithful. Mark's going to come and lead us in hymn number 584. I, along with Travis and Christian, will be here at the front. We would love to uh, be here and answer questions you may have about membership here at First Baptist Church. It may be that you'd like to know more about following Jesus. As we sing, we will be here waiting and we would love to share those moments with you.